what would you say are the top discriminated against breeds? Give me four. Um, Rottweilers. Mm-hmm. Um, Correct. Ding, 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 ding. Pibbles. Mm-hmm, of course. Mm. Hey, King Corsos. Okay. Maybe. Um Besides Dobermans or Yeah, besides Dobermans. Besides Dobermans. Um uh, maybe German Shepherds. Oh, that's good. Yep. That's yeah. another one. Um that was four. And it's one more. One more. Yeah. Um, <coughs> mm-hmm. Let me think. It's probably real obvious, too, and I'm just not thinking of it. It's not really obvious. I looked it up, and I was surprised. Um, Collies. No, not no. Collies. Okay. Chows. Chows. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I see that. Chows are, I don't, look, look. You're afraid look. of them? My homeboy had a child, man. Like it was, it was. I don't even. I can't even remember what the dog name was. It was all black, and his mama used to keep it on the front porch. And I'd be like, man, like they had like a porch where it was in. It was inside. So you had a door, then you walk in, and then you had to go to the main door. You know what I'm saying? And that was their porch. Mm-hmm. And it was in, enclosed with the house. Yeah. Sometimes that dog was on the porch. Sometimes he wasn't. Sometimes he was tied up on the porch. Sometimes he was loose. It was like you had to really keep your eye. Like man, what's man? They're like little lions or something. Yeah, I had to look they in there. are intimidating. I look in because he just walk up to you. And you just don't know what they're thinking. You, you don't, don't. You don't. You can't see their eyes. Mm-hmm. He was black. He had black eyes. It was just. It was very intimidating. I'd tell Dre, man, put that dog up. I was just like, uh, I'm not messing with this dog, man. Um, but childs are aggressive. Chows are aggressive. But think, all right, so think about it is too, though, also, as people don't understand, is like these aggressive, these, you know, discriminated against, you know, misunderstood dogs is this. And this is as, you know, people who are thinking about buying, you know, a pet, you know, dogs especially, you know, you have to make sure that they have enough room to exercise, they have enough room to, you know, maneuver around the house, they have their own spot. You're spending enough time with them. They're getting fed on a regular basis. There's, yeah. a, there's a very solid routine in the house that they respect and you respect and you learn how to respect each other. Um, I say that because, you know, I've never seen, and I was a victim of this too. I had a pit bull when I was t- in 2002, 2003, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I had a pit bull for like two years and um, had no business owning a pit bull. You know, but just got one because I had an opportunity to get one. And I was in a two-bedroom apartment, didn't have enough room for it to maneuver around and stuff like that. And he became very aggressive, um, dog aggressive specifically. You know, it's just because I didn't have enough time to really exercise with him, to work with him, feed with him, regular basis, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, situation happened uh, last week with a friend of ours who was walking their Labradoodle. Which are yeah a weird dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just middle of the fence on them dogs. But oh goodness! Anyway, this is a weird looking dog. <laughs> and um, 
was walking her labradoodle and this pit bull that was in the building across from her jumped off the balcony and attacked her dog. Yeah. Ripped him up. Yeah. And the labradoodle didn't even fight back. And so she's out there trying to rip this pit bull off of this labradoodle. And, um, and, and amongst that, you know, they had to go to the emergency vet. The owner of the pit bull was cool, paid for the emergency vet bills, you know, but talking about stitches, antibiotics on the dog. And then our friend, she, she, you know, got her hand kind of got, you know, busted up. So she had to go to the doctor too. Um, it was a mess. It was a very, mess. very sad and very terrible. But my point is, we used to live in that same complex, mm-hmm. right? And there, and we had Kizzy, which was a little bit more of a docile dog. That oh, she was very docile. You didn't need as much exercise. But when you have a, a pit bull, Dobermans, Rottweilers, any type of breed like that, you better make sure that you have a regular schedule for them to get enough exercise, get outside and walk them on a regular basis, feed them on a regular basis, make sure that they're socialized as much as possible mm-hmm. or else you're going to have a problem like this. And he ended up, I think the owner ended up, um, putting him to sleep. I don't know if they put him to sleep or he just gave him up to a family member or something. I'm not sure what happened, but he don't have the dog no more. He gave him up. Wow. He gave him up. And you know, it's unfortunate because it's like, it's not even, I don't even really wouldn't, I don't even think it's the dog's fault. It's the owner's fault. You know, because the dog didn't, the dog didn't have enough exercise, obviously. Um, and I think just like people, just like some people can be mean and terrible and aggressive. If you put any person in a less than ideal environment where there is a lack of stimulus, where there is a lack of love and affection where there's a lack of control, you know, so on and so forth, that person is more likely to be an angry and aggressive person. The difference is they don't have the capabilities of an animal who can just, who is in and of itself a weapon. So that's the big difference. So really, I agree that it is the family. It is the way that you raise the dog. It is the way that you um, interact with them and the the opportunities you give them to become emotionally healthy, just like human beings need to become, need certain things to be emotionally healthy. But I'm looking at this article right now, as you were talking, I was looking it up. And according to Forbes advisor, they say that the breed that commits the most attacks overall is pit bulls. Um, they say 22.5% of bites across all studies and it's interesting. Oh, and then next are mixed breeds were a close second at 21.2%. And then third is German Shepherds, the third most dangerous breed involved in 17.8% of bite incidents. Mm. And this is according to Forbes, um, Forbes Advisor. Um, what's interesting is that there has been a campaign for the pit bull. Mm-hmm. Pit bulls are, they were given a really bad rap and it sounds like it kind of parallels with what is actually happening like and statistically um however i would say over the last i don't know five years people have become a lot more accepting of the pit bull Mm -hmm. because there have been folks essentially lobbying for that 
breed and it's just not as it's not looked down on like it used to be, mm-hmm. which is good. And you have more people who own pit bulls and, you know, treat them like family dogs and have had success. Unlike Dobermans, there's no lobbying for Dobermans. We're probably the first people really talking about this. Um, Now we're not first in the world, but it's just rare. And um, because there's nothing to mitigate that misconception, there is a, a fear that is attached to them that is just automatic yeah. Even with dog lovers alike. People don't understand the breed. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, their pit bulls are very, very strong. First of all, they're very determined. A lot of things, people that say the same thing about Doberman is very strong and very determined. Um, and no disrespect to what I'm about to say, but just to put a timeline to it is a, is a pre Mike Vick and there's a post Mike Vick era where people started changing their relationship with their dogs, Mm -hmm. you know, um, down South it's common to have, you know, what they call them cockfights and dog fights. Yeah. It was very common, very common. It was not, there was nothing unusual about it, nothing inhumane about it back before, you know, Mike Vick caught up, got caught up. People didn't, a, a lot of people didn't see it as that. And I'm sure it still happens to this day, you know, but I'm sure it's also slowed down quite a bit, you mm-hmm. know, because of the you press know, associated with it. The, yeah. Just the coverage of that, just the exposure mm-hmm. of, of what that looks like and what it is. I remember we were watching some, we used to watch dog cho- shows all the time. And one was like pet ER or something. And they, or pet rescue, something like that. And when they would get those dogs that were fighting, had had been used as fighting dogs, it was so terrible that I couldn't even watch it. I, I would have to turn the channel. It's it's just horrible the type of things that they would do to those animals to make them aggressive and make them fight or when they lost the things that they would do. There was this one time, remember that story you told me about when we were living in Chicago, you were driving down, what was it? The Bishop Ford. Dan Ryan. You were driving down Dan Ryan and someone threw a pit bull out there, out the car window. And probably because it lost a fight or it wasn't a good fighting dog or something like that. It just threw the dog out the window um, to kill it. Just seeing them just as tools or weapons and just having no connection with Mm. them whatsoever. So. I've seen people, I mean, back when, like, early 2000s, late 90s, people literally getting dressed up to go to dog fights. Like, you know, this is back when the, the cufflink era, where everybody had the cufflinks on their on their button-ups and stuff like that, and they were really big, and they had the cufflinks. And people were getting their fresh cufflinks and, you know what I'm saying, button-ups and ironing their clothes and, and getting their money ready and had, you know what I'm saying, rubber man man in their, in their pockets, you know what I'm saying, and, and going to... A dog fight, mm-hmm. like this was, you know, that's the way you went. And have you ever you been to a dog no, fight? No, I have not. I've always been a dog lover. I never believed in dog fights. I hate. I it just makes me sick to even think like that. Same. And yeah. um, what was it? We we was watching. Well, we're I've seen The Wire before. 
you haven't. This is your first time watching it. Mm-hmm. You're about 12 years behind. But better late than never. <laughs> and so we're rewatching it. And I think it was season two or season three when Method Man was at the when was at that dog fight. And he had a dog that died and he took it in the back of the. It lost. It didn't die. It lost. Well, lost, yeah. But then he took it and put a bullet in his head. And it's just horrible. It's horrible. It, it really is. So they, they used to almost, I would say, glorify it. There was a stigma that, you know, as black folks, we didn't care about our dog. We didn't, we didn't, we had a dog, but it wasn't considered as part of the family. Right. You know, you, it, you, you was kind of a sucker if you, you know, took care of your dog. Mm-hmm. The dog ate whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and. Yeah, and we stuff. touched on that in one of our episodes. Yeah, yeah it just. It, and that's why I'm saying pre and post Mike Vick, it just changed, you know. Now we have a friend of ours with Beanie who has a whole Instagram page on, on her dog. Oh, a lot I mean? of people have And people like that, dogs. you know, and. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's, it's changed a lot, and, it, and, it's, and I'm glad to see it, you know. And it's unfortunate what had to go down to make people change their minds, but, you know, change their way of thinking, you know, but for real, it's just like, it's, there needed it's no to be, joke. There needed to be, uh, uh, we needed to evolve mm-hmm. because in my opinion, that type of attitude is, is primal. It's just almost like prehistoric to, it's a living being. Mm-hmm. I remember there was a time when, um, this isn't about dogs, but I, I like I grew up with birds. Uh, my father had birds as pets. Um, loved them. Uh-huh. And now that I'm older, I would never own a bird. To take a bird and to put it in a cage, uh-huh. a bird that belongs in the sky uh-huh. and the whole sky belongs to them. I don't care if their cage is as big as your house. Right. That's not enough. That that's nothing compared to the whole world or the country or where, whatever. Um, but yeah, I just think that just collectively we just have matured and mm-hmm. and come to understand animals as important living spiritual beings, mm-hmm. and we've gotten we've gotten a lot better. Yeah, I mean, a lot better. Yeah, it's gotten a lot better and. You know, I saw a video today of some guy that was this. He was I don't know where he was at, honestly, but wherever pumas live, <laughs> and this puma was trying to get at him. Mm. I mean, this puma was trying to get him a dinner, you know. And guy had a pistol, you know, but at least he fired the gun over his head to try to make it run to, away. And he did. He finally made him run away. Yeah, you know what I mean. I just can't stay in animal poachers, and I just can't. Besides, like, look, honestly, um, even moths. You know, if I find a moth in the house, I will try to catch it and throw it out. Look, They're bees, alive. bees, mosquitoes, and roaches. Look, we can't kill bees anymore because the bees are almost extinct because of people like you. And I hear you on that, but specifically wasps okay let me be specific maybe they're all the same to me but if i get stung by a wasp yeah like he's getting, he's getting it you know what I mean? <laughs> right. if i can <laughs> which most times i can't but anyway um roaches flies, flies. i cannot i cannot with flies mm-hmm. i just can't but other than that i don't know i just don't i think that's just a bad 
you know, it's, it's just it know, feels like bad karma. Karma, yeah, yeah. It feels like bad karma to me, and um, I know there are some that will argue. Well, do you eat meat? And as meat eaters, we are meat eaters. Mm-hmm. But I do think about it. I do think about it, and there have been times when I have stopped eating meat because I would see like a a video mm-hmm. of a cow that reminds me of one of our mm-hmm. dogs so much, and I'm like, this is like a a dog it has feelings it has emotions um i could see myself eventually getting to the point where i ate maybe a vegetarian diet i don't know that i would ever be vegan but um yeah it's i don't know just my relationship with nature and animals are a part of nature has changed and i feel like as i'm maturing it's it's getting just a lot better yeah. Um, just more elevated, even mm-hmm. that's a, a better way of saying it. And just like, uh, just overall having, like you said, having pets, having these knuckleheads running around here, you know, you start looking at stuff a little bit different. Like mm. it increases your just your awareness, right, of how they're feeling and right. how they feel. Um, I remember before Kizzy, we had to put her to sleep. She was it was her last days, and she was dying. Um, she was skinny, like just skin and bone. She had stopped eating. She was panting. Um, the cancer had gotten into her lungs and it was such a sad time. And I swear she knew that her time was coming. Yeah, she knew. And Damien, you took her Mm -hmm. to be put to sleep. Mm, And you tell me that she was nervous yeah, so that, I mean, I don't know. I captured. I, I didn't capture the process on video. I wasn't, but I did video recorded her walking in, and she was, she was. I would, I would say, having a panic attack. I mean, she was panting in a way that I've never heard her pant before. She knew it was up, you know, and um, she could feel it was the end. Yeah, and it was, it was quick too. It was horrible. It was horrible. Um, but I also, you know read on social media or something that I, you know, dogs, you know, when you buy a puppy, you know, that puppy only knows you. That puppy only knows you and um, be with that dog as, as much as you possibly can from beginning to the end. And as long as you're there with him till the last breath, then, you know, you served your purpose, you know. And that's how I kind of swallowed the fact that, you know, she she lived a good life and she knew it was her, it was her time to go. And it was um, it was unfortunate, but we had her for nine years and she grew up the kids and she was, um, you know, I feel like the first animal that the that the girls fell in love with, you know, they they created a relationship with with Kizzy that kind of carried on to, you know, Bishop and Jada and Lyric. Yeah, it definitely led to us being even better pet owners with them. But what's interesting about our dog choice is that with the Dobermans, with Kizzy, it was cool. No, every Nobody discriminates against boxers, not like that. No. And Kizzy was a smaller dog. So we didn't have, like, a lot of issues with people having – um, her being misrepresented in any way that people were just afraid of, of her. But by choosing Dobermans, we find ourselves constantly having to defend them against people who don't understand them, which is directly parallel with our lives and, and 
I feel um, how we've had to explain and, and defend ourselves and people having misconceptions about us. Some acquaintances of ours was telling us this last summer that they were buying, they were going to take over a dog from a friend of theirs that was known to bust through closet doors, um, you know, eating walls had, alopecia or something like that some type of skin disease where it just kind of was looking like the dog sounded and sound beautiful looking dog but it just sounded like the dog was crazy and in the same breath when they found out we had dobermans they were like oh don't they turn on you like yeah you about to take over a three-year-old pit bull that you have no idea what you're about exactly to get it's like gla- it's like glass houses don't throw stones in glass oh. houses yeah. but we took them on and it's just another layer of explaining or another situation where we just kind of have to prove and not, I guess we don't have to people. I'm sure people are thinking, you don't have to do that. Who cares what people think? But it does matter what people think when they're coming into your home, they're around your dog, you run into people on the street, your neighbors, things like that. So it's you, you essentially have to campaign mm-hmm. um, for them. In what ways in your life do you feel you were misunderstood and misrepresented that you had to campaign for yourself? All the time. I walk around with a chip on my shoulder every day. That's something I grew up with. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know how to answer that question. It's, that We could be here for three hours. But just just growing up, being around a lot of Caucasian people, and just the stereotypes that they, the ignorant stereotypes that I had to deal with about, you know, black people and who we are and how we move and stuff like that. Um, every day I was telling my, um, one of my daughters the other day that, yeah, they was like something about, I can't remember what it was. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna walk around with a chip on my shoulder for the rest of my life. There's nothing I can do about that. I'm always in effect. I'm always trying to feel like I always have to prove myself. You know, and it's unfortunate, but it's just a product of your environment. You know, you come up being a certain way because you were raised around a certain environment and it ends up making you who you are. You make changes throughout your life. You better yourself in certain ways. But there's also stuff that you need to accept about who you are as a person. And yeah, you know, that's something that regardless, I mean. I don't have to outwardly show it, but there's certain things that, you know, will always bother me just because I had that chip on my shoulder. It also allows me to, to, um, very competitive mm-hmm. by nature, mm-hmm. you know, because of that. So, but I mean, I wouldn't change who I am for nobody. I get it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, for me, more specifically, it feels like you don't want to go deep into that no. right now. But for me, I was pregnant at 15, had my first child at 16. She's 25 years old now. And from conception, there was a perception of me. And I understand as an adult, like as a grown woman now, how that looks. A young girl, fast or stupid or whatever people thought um, there weren't a lot of people who believed that I would be successful and that I would do well 
And I was I kind of find my found myself in this gray area because like people would look at me like I made a bad decision, like I was a hood person, um, if if that makes sense. But obviously I'm not hood either. So the hood people are looking at me like, you know, so I just kind of was like just floating, floating in this middle space where people didn't understand me, um, didn't have respect for me, didn't believe in me. And it led me to be, as you were saying, a very competitive person. Um, it was really important for me to be successful because there was so much doubt and there was so much resistance, just similar to how they say a, a diamond needs pressure mm-hmm. and, you know, to become a diamond, it starts off as coal or something like that. And then it turns into a diamond. It's kind of cliche, but that truly was the case in my life. And it wasn't until I had that experience of being treated so poorly as a young mother by other people, uh, other parents, I was just trying to raise my child, mm-hmm. put her in daycare, take, you know, preschool and take her to the birthday parties and just doing my best. And there were so many older women who would purposely just go out of their way to be rude to me, to be mean to me. And all I was trying to do was raise my daughter and be as good of a mother as possible. Um, but that led me to work with young mothers. That was my one of one of my first jobs as a social worker. So I have a background, and um, I was a psychotherapist, which is a social worker. Um, but I spent most of my career supporting misunderstood young people because I had that experience. I I, I just can't imagine being disrespectful or cruel to a person who's already feeling out of out of place I'm at a birthday party with everybody all the the women all the parents are in their 30s and I'm 19 I'm already out of place and they're like ganging up on me laughing how old are you I've walked two three miles with my child to get her to this birthday party and I just want her to have a good time and I want to have a good time and they were treating me poorly um And it just made me more a more compassionate person, a more empathetic person, a person who would never do anything like that. But it's like sometimes those those situations. Hey, what's up? Hey, stop it. Come Come here. Sometimes it takes going through those difficulties to become who you're supposed to be. So now I look back on it and it's it's not funny to me, but it's ironic because I'm a happy person. I'm I'm a, an attractive person who has kept herself in shape. I'm a happily married person. My children are generally successful. The child that I had at a young age graduated from UGA, then graduated from Harvard. Um, things worked out. Things went well. But I don't think that without that resistance, I would be as successful as I am today, Um, as well-read, as knowledgeable, as strong as I am today, if it weren't for that misconception that people had about me that I had to kind of fight my way through. And they say, don't judge a book by its cover. 
And I feel like I'm a, a living example of that. Um, and, and just from my past and, and the way that my life turned out, I know, like, so now when I meet people, I don't ever assume that anybody is beneath me because you just don't know who they can become or who, who they will be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like it's totally appropriate that we have these dogs. Yeah, it makes sense. That are misunderstood, but we love them. And care for them and we see the good in them and and not the negative that's usually marketed about mm-hmm. the breed yeah.